0: Hi, good morning. Welcome to our 7th annual Social Progress Through Horror panel. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the panelists being here. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. Before I do that, I'm going to tell you a couple of orienting pieces of information. Uh, The first is, this is the description of the panel. This is our recurring series on horror's ability and responsibility to create a more inclusive world through the through the work that we create. Uh, we're operating with a definition of social progress just for the purposes of this panel. So we've talked with the panelists. I said, you don't have to believe this for a minute after you walk out. But just so that we have some common ground, the definition we're using is the equal and equitable access to opportunity. That's what we're def- how we're defining social progress and the thing that we're aiming for. So uh, I'm Jason Tostevin. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm co-founder and programmer of Nightmares Film Festival. This is our eighth edition. And you are at Gateway Film Center, a um, top five indie art house in North America, according to Sundance. Woo! Thank Woo! you. And it is my great pleasure to moderate this uh, panel once again. We firmly believe in this. This is an anticipated panel every year, and we think it's essential to have this conversation. So I'm going to start with by asking the panelists to introduce themselves and their
1: project. I'm Dusty Austin, Um, I'm with the Beast of Walton Street that screens tomorrow, and I am originally from Ohio, actually been an hour and a half north in
2: a little town called Wooster. Hi, I'm Rosalie, my film Naw screened on uh, Thursday night, and I'm I think the only Canadian representing here, I'm from Vancouver. Oh, that's awesome.
3: (laughs) Hello, I am Jennifer Seward. I screened with Super Happy Happy Fun Clown. It was yesterday at 2 p.m. And I am the clown of Super Happy Fun Clown from Kansas City, Missouri.
4: Hi, I'm Tyrone, and I realized that I did not set up my microphone very well. Um, (laughs) my, My film is screening tomorrow in the Ohio block of shorts, Deadly Reunion. And
3: I'm here, I'm
5: from here in Columbus. Woo. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is Eric Silvera. I'm the co-writer and co-director of the film Two Knocks on a Door that is playing in the thriller, thriller's block tonight at midnight. I am from uh, New York City, from the Bronx. Woo. Uh, Woo. But I went to college in Ohio uh, outside of, uh, about 30 minutes outside of Columbus. So I'm very excited to be back here tonight.
0: All right, let's let them hear it, guys. This is a this is a vulnerable, kind, generous thing to do to be on this panel. Thanks. Hey, Abby. Good morning. Um, so let's start with, again, a grounding question because we don't come into this with the premise that this is true. Uh, and I'll open this up to the full panel. And remember, we're going to model our the, the brevity of our answers for this first one, right? So remember, keep it short, although this is a deep question. Mm-hmm. Do we as creators have a responsibility to create social progress when we create a story, a film, a screenplay, whatever it is we create? Do we have a responsibility in addition to our responsibility to that project to create social progress? If we do, why?
1: I definitely yeah, think I think it's super I think it's super important and I think it is definitely something that, that we as artists have as a responsibility because a lot of times like who speaks up for, you know, everybody? It's artists. So I think it's it's a great opportunity and plus through a horror lens, you can really horror is probably the most inclusive genre I can think of um, across the board. And I think you really do have a responsibility almost to tackle something. Something with a little extra meat. Yeah, I love my I love my maximum overdrives that are like hamburger flicks, right? But like I think, you know, especially in twenty twenty three we have we definitely have a responsibility as creators. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Eric. Uh,
2: to Bill. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. no, go, you go. Okay, okay. I to go in a line. Yeah, that's okay. kind of what I thought.
3: Oh, yeah, I have then. to insist
0: the Canadian goes, otherwise she'll never go. <laughs> <laughs> Big love to you. Big love, Jason. I got you.
2: Um, I just, to Bill, like in wholehearted agreement that like a storyteller, I feel it's like a privilege to be able to create. And um, the storyteller in society, I think has a very important role. Uh, and so what we're feeding the masses, I think should help push things along there's a lot of chaos in the world and a lot of um, need for improvement and correction and evolution and so what we're doing should be a small piece of that I feel and um, yeah horror being the inclusive but also like super I guess inclusive is the right word mm-hmm. I think it starts here and it can balloon out it can balloon out words so okay and agree okay. yeah. Thank I'll you,
0: be Eric. Yeah, I think
3: yeah, um, oh. and to build off what you had said, uh, I've always viewed art and artists as agents of change, and we are able to put something in front of someone's eyes that they may not have been able to see themselves. So I do believe it is a responsibility to present something that you know could, you know, help people see a different way, um, good, bad, whatever. But you know, and, and the more broad we can do that, the more stories that we honor by telling um, in, in horror and in, in, in genres. Um, yeah, I, I think it's so really that important. that term,
1: agent of change,
5: that's cool. Okay, Eric, briefly. Tyron do you want to say that?
0: Tyrone. Okay. I'm blessed. Like, oh, you know what, we'll just make it uh, social, everybody, so Tyrone, you're next.
4: <laughs> okay, thanks. I believe that it's um, <laughs> that complicated answer. Oh, it depends. <laughs> I I love that idea of not, not being um, working in the opposite, right? Yeah. So if you're going to work, work towards the good and towards the betterment. But I also think sometimes, you know, you, you do need to just make a maximum overdrive <laughs> and not worry about it. Yeah. So it sort of depends on the story you're telling.
3: Okay.
5: Yeah, I, I would.
0: Wait, Eric. No, I'm just
4: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding.
0: Um, we can laugh.
5: You know, Sean, who's my, uh, my partner over there, the man in the pink shirt, we, we mm-hmm. talk, we've talked about this a lot and we were talking about this earlier this morning and, you know, I think I, I came from a similar view of Tyrone's perspective, like, yes, but also sometimes you just want to tell the fun story and, and what's the service of that. And Sean, you know, he rightfully pointed out, he goes, well, okay, that's cool, but then there's three portions of the ways you, you can have social progress, right? If it's not the exact story you're telling. What conversation are you having before the story as an artist, as a filmmaker, with each other or your creative partner? What conversation are you having as you look to cast the project? Is there colorblind casting? So maybe it's just a goopy story, but like, it doesn't have to be all white dudes or all one way or the other, right? And then if none of that's in service of, of the story, then what does your, your crew look like? and Who are you working with? And that's the way to push equity and um, equality through um, like behind the scenes on the set. And that eventually is just going to permeate the film because you're gonna have people from different backgrounds coming at the story with different ideas, and that's only going to improve what you're working on.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, well, that transitions us to a, a later question, but before we do that, I want to talk with the audience briefly. So this is you know everybody goes like, it's intended as a conversation. This, it's not a fucking conversation when there's a panel talking, right? So like, I won't bullshit you. (laughs) However, we would like it to be interactive and we are interested in everybody's perspectives. So as we go, if something inspires you and you wanna ask a question or explore something further, let me know, raise your hand and we'll do that. I'll repeat whatever it is you say into the mic for the recording. So now that we've started, yeah, please. So just for the record, I'm gonna repeat distilled. no, no, don't apologize. I want to make sure I'm representing what you said. So what I think I hear you saying is what's the responsibility to um, write authentic characters or write authentically from the character's experience or perspective? Does that create progress? Okay. Yeah, Rosalie. Well,
2: absolutely. 110%, like, we do need female writers and directors. It's for, like, the same thing. I can relate to, like, seeing females on screen that don't like you just cannot resonate with so I created a horror film with no men and it's not that I don't like horror films with men no I just needed to create one for myself and also there could be maybe one screenplay directed by one by a man one by a woman but the woman will give different direction especially to the women and it's nice to see men direct women like I, I don't I'm not against that but it's also nice to see women directing women just
3: Yeah, I can also add on to that. I'm literally here because of that, because I grew up watching, you know, anything I can get, horrors are our family favorite uh, genre. So uh, from the get go, it was, you know, I, I, exactly. I wasn't seeing represented what I was hoping to get out of it or, um, you know, in Dexter, I feel like Deb does not talk like it, that's the one character that really has stuck out to me over the time, it's just like, yeah I, I have a crass sense of humor but even I would not say some of that stuff the way she said it, so, but yeah, it's I, exact, yes 110% what you said
4: <laughs> Yeah, Tyrone Well, you know, I think there's a, a trope of, well, if the black person were the star none of this would have happened because there's a way that people act Mm -hmm. And we can't take our culture or our upbringing or where we're from out of that. Mm -hmm. So I think we as creators have a responsibility to the story. And if Uh we're creating characters that aren't true to the character, then it takes the audience out of the story. So no matter what you're trying to do, you've lost your audience because, you know, the woman wouldn't say that. (laughs) Look, the Uh black person wouldn't say that. That black woman would not get in the pool because that would mess up her hair.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'd like to expand on that. Actually, that's a really cool observation because, like, it's always really important to me that um, to write really honest, like, queer characters. Um, and I think there's a lot of movies I've seen where, you know, there's a queer character talking. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I th- this feels like a, a little stereotypy. And sometimes I think that can literally just be get an advisor. If it's not a language you speak or a culture that you're part of, get an advisor. Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody that is an expert in that field and say, like, hey, can you help walk me through this? Um, I know as a trans woman, I did that for a script um, that I got handed said, hey, can you put this through the sort of the trans lens and see if my language is correct? And I thought, what a wonderful filmmaker. Like, I admire her so much for that. So, you know. That would be kind of my take.
0: This is, I actually want to dive down into this because I think, I suspect there's no disagreement with this premise that we want authentic representation. Yes. But there's another side of this, which is no one's monolithic, right? So you can't present the black perspective, right? Because there is, it's not a singular perspective, Mm -hmm. but there are shared characteristics from a shared experience. So here's my question. When we want so it's like, well, a woman wouldn't say that. Well, maybe a maybe there's a woman in the world who would say that, right? So it's like, but what are we aiming for? How do we how do we draft down the middle of recognizing there are shared experiences, but they are not monolithic, right? So there's not a singular experience. I know this is like a two oh one question. Anybody remember the question?
2: Well, I, I, feel <laughs> I do feel that, you know, um, the fact that we are all checking in and trying to make our stories authentic and not just being a singular voice, sitting in at our desk creating a script, you know, like that itself, like doing our best to get input because I, I don't know about you guys, but I like to write what I know, and but there's I don't know everything, and mm-hmm. so there are points where I need to check in and just get some validation or just bounce ideas off and it might be there's a point that girl wouldn't say that but the story is about the girl that would say that mm-hmm. so
4: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. but yeah just checking in like that is in itself program
0: come to you Tyra. Uh,
4: I also think that um, as artists and as writers we have to give ourselves grace of we tend to write what we know, right. right so I would write my story from the perspective of all the people around me so you know, my my films tend to be filled with black people because I'm that kind of guerrilla filmmaker where I'm going to call my friends and say, hey, listen, I have this idea, let's go make this thing. Mm-hmm. So everybody in it's black, but it's not about black people. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's an intent, I think, that we need to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your intent to tell this story? Is your intent to tell a story about black people, about queer people? Or is your intent to make sure that there are some black people and some queer people in your story. And Mm -hmm. all of that requires assembling your team of Avengers, Mm -hmm. making sure that there are some people around you who you can say, hey, listen, I've got this character, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And then then being willing to accept the feedback. You know, if I say, well, I don't know, she jumped in the pool and it looks like she got a perm. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe you wanna at least let her have natural hair. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've heard, uh, Dusty, we'll come back to you, I've heard a couple of times that I want to support. We're talking about listening. Yeah. Right, we're talking about soliciting other points of view that fill in our blind spots and listening to them. That's our own form of social progress, right? Personal progress. Dusty, you were going to say, and then I think Eric next.
1: Yeah, building off of what he was saying, I think um, normalization is a huge... um, uh, thing and a responsibility that we have as well um sort of like he was saying like i i tend and she was saying i tend to write what i know i write queer characters um but also i think that we're in this wonderful talent pool now moving forward and we've expanded you know just every walk of life into the film industry so when you're casting or when you're looking at your characters think okay i have this lead female okay well we could cast a trans actress or like as far as your male lead well we could you know, cast a trans man because at the end of the day, they're not just trans, they're a man and they're a woman. Right. Um, and I think it's really about finding who's the, the best for the individual role and, you know, making sure that they're presenting an authentic voice.
0: Thank you for that because that's a great transition. Eric, you'll wrap us up on this question.
5: Yeah, I I think the, as we're talking about, it, a lot of us, think we, you know, we write from our own perspective and what we know, even if we're developing other characters. And I, I think the, the thing that, um, makes work maybe uh, and that can be universal is, is when you can like dig into the details more and you get more specific. So the more specific you can go, even if you're writing from a character that's not you or not your background, but you're writing about your inherent feelings and how you feel and you're placing on that character and then you're gut checking, does this make sense in this character's world? The more specific you get, the more universal it's going to feel, I and mean, this is like a, a very kind of a broad example, but like the reason *Brokeback Mountain* resonated in 2005 is, in, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's, we're seeing a, a mainstream gay romance in, in in you know on the big screen with big actors, no one actors and a, and a you know no one director, but part of its success wasn't that I was yes, it's about two gay men, but also the universal nature is it's about lost love and like love that can't that that people can't. Um, connect because they're the fear of what society is saying and so everyone has had a love of their a love of their life that maybe didn't go not everyone but generally people have fallen in love hasn't worked out a certain way there might have been barriers to that and so that on a broader level connects um universal un, uh universally is that the right word? A little, it's a little late night for me um but uh and then by placing it within a different perspective, it allows people to see the world from another, uh, you know, from another lens and, and that's what we're aiming to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, great point. Uh, I wanna check oh. in with the audience. Okay, I'm gonna repeat for the record. The question is, how can we be better allies? How can we be different allies to get more uh, social progress? I'm gonna delay that question. We're gonna talk about that at the end. So thank you, Mark. Cool. Don't let me get away from it, though. We'll come back to it. You guys hold those, because I want to get um, the next step from the thing we were just talking about is rep- representation and depiction. Mm-hmm. So another mm-hmm. thing I think we would all agree on, mm-hmm. if we just said to each other over you know, shots, there should be more representations. Like, well, y- yeah. yes, of course there should be more representation. How do we do representation in a way that creates social progress? This is a two-sided question. The other side is, when we depict things, so I heard a couple people say, um, do no harm, essentially, like we should have a Hippocratic Oath, right? It's not necessarily that we create progress, but by doing no harm, we probably do. How do we depict things that might be unctuous or offensive in a way that does not promulgate them, right? Is depiction always, um, what's the word? Uh, Endorsement. Is depiction always endorsement? So two-sided question. How do we do representation in a way that creates progress? And on the other side, when we represent things, when we depict things that we all agree are bad, how do we do that in a way that doesn't take us backward? Start. Yeah, please.
3: Yeah, so when we show, okay, sorry, my brain, I have ADHD, so there's like, ooh, <laughs> that's going on. Let's get it out streaming. Hey, yeah, so uh, representation, there you go. Um, well, I mean, so mental health, like, things are on a spectrum, right? So what is true for one may not be true for the other, but it doesn't mean it's out of the realm of reality as we were talking about. And so by making sure that um, you, okay, hold on, see, can you repeat the two questions again? Yeah, that the went two out of my questions right? are, yeah.
0: how do we do representation right, do it right. and how do we do yeah. depiction of bad stuff right?
3: Right, okay, so um, as long as you're honoring the story, honoring the person, if, if everybody's true intent is to tell the best story, that honors everyone the best, the most authentic. I think that is going to drive you in the the, the direction that you want to go, um, ultimately to go, you know, to a forward-moving uh, uh, viewpoint depiction, leading to the depiction, and making sure that within that, you know, foundation of honoring the story, that you are coming at from an honest perspective, and you know, some people have talked about, you know reaching out to other people to figure out what do I not know uh, but yeah it's it's being honest with yourself of what do you know what do you not know um and then also I as an actor I love when uh I'm able to collaborate and to bring my perspective and to you know filmmaking is a collaborative art form and honoring that because you know when we have all the pieces in place where we've got the people around us that are you know depicting different representations and we honor their part of the project that in and of itself is just going to be kind of a perfect storm of of what we're trying to do
0: thank you yeah other thoughts here
2: uh in terms of depiction i think it's so important to have uh like i'll use an example uh on the plane here i watched um an indigenous story and showing an indigenous family like at the wholesome part of it, like the good parts of it and not just like the impoverished or um, negative things. So like indigenous filmmakers making indigenous stories about the good parts of their culture under oppressive times. So I can't remember the name of the film, but it's about uh, someone that was um, sent to residential school and it's from her perspective. She went uh, through a horrific event, but there's still the good parts of her experience as a human with her family and good connections. So that kind of representation is very important. And an example why representation is so important of an Asian friend and in a cafe, someone just was, a man was just like, an Asian friend was with another Asian friend and a man was just assuming they were sisters They were different Asians. So let's have these authentic stories so that people can just be more educated. Like this kind of filters through. Um, And in terms of like, uh, say there's an oppressive force in your film, don't fetishize it, don't make it glamorous. Like, show the impact of the bad forces and the human effect, I think makes that message.
1: All right. Yeah, Dustin. Um, I think to speak to the first part, I think a lot of it is normalization. I, I know I used that term earlier. Like when I see, say I see a queer couple in a movie, I want to see them not just as a queer couple, but just as a happy couple. Um, show the, those positive things, include those characters, whether they're you know queer or it's about race or anything, and show them as you know members of whatever you know friend group you've got in your script or team you've got in your script going on show them as just wonderful regular members of that group and over time I think through normalization of oh it's not going to be oh there's a queer couple oh there's just this beautiful couple Mm -hmm. Um, and I think normalization is a huge part of it and to build off what she said on the second point is not glamorizing like those ugly things and not putting them in a sensationalistic light Um, I think you can portray them honestly and truthfully but try not to sensationalize them because then I think you, that's when you do damage and yeah. Yeah. I think the goal is to do better.
4: Yeah.
2: Do I not. just want to say the movie was Bones of Crows. It's a very important Canadian story.
4: Okay, thank you. I, I think that on top of intent, there is um, deliberateness, right? So if we as creators are listening and we, I think we as creators amongst ourselves have a responsibility to each other um, to say, hey, I know it's complicated and this is uncomfortable, but maybe you ought to look at, you know. <laughs> and if that person then says, no, that's what I want, then cool, you know. I, I don't. I'm not advocating yeah. violence. Well, you know. Um,
3: but <laughs> within <any> reason, <laughs> right.
4: Uh, I'm not advocating hostile work environments, but I think that it is our responsibility to sometimes just slip them a note that says you know, you might want to consider.
0: Yeah,
1: Mm. share some feedback. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, thanks. Eric, yeah.
5: I think the one thing that Sean and I try to do a lot in our work um, is we're both, as humans, goofy people, and so I think there's a way to have characters say fucked up things and bad things and mask it within humor and then there's a way to you have to I think it's towing the line so sometimes like all right this is satire and so you get what's going on here and you're making a broader point sometimes it's not necessarily satire but you're showing characters a certain way and they're saying things a certain way um and if um (laughs) you can figure as a filmmaker to be like yeah that character is saying something really stupid and really bad and it's funny and we're laughing but we also know it's bad there's a way to like tie that together and finding the in the horror genre, and Sean's our first film was it was like an, you know, was a goofy action comedy, um, but if you can find bases ba- bases of humor in there to tie it in within the mix of the broader kind of fucked up premise of your story, you can you can get that across, and you can you can have characters say those bad things, um, and maybe they don't need to learn a lesson. Uh, about what, how bad, the bad thing they're saying, but the audience can understand like, oh, you're pointing out something here, and it's funny, and, 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 it, and it all can work together. Yeah,
0: like briefly take my moderator hat off, and my stuff, um, I think motivation is the essential, is the secret key to this. Do you understand why your character does this and needs to do this? And at that point, I think depiction, depicting things is not endorsing them. Right. And I'm back. <laughs> uh Dan I think you had your hand up. Oh Bob you were before him. Go. So the question was how do we create progress without preaching? Progress without preaching. That'll be the next year's panel.
2: Yeah. That is the job of a writer. That's like that's the challenge. How do you do that? You tell an authentic story. Like I think authenticity is the is the, is, is the message there is the key. Yeah.
5: I, I think the big thing, you know, the first thing that when you asked that question gave them my head, it was, uh, well, just like you know, kind of show don't tell, right? So we just don't have to. You know, I always think about um, the the movie Don't Be a Menace: The South Central World, Drinking and Juice in the Hood, the Wayans Brothers <laughs> classic. And you know, there's a part where Keenan Ivory Wayans, after every kind of like long speech, is a you know, it goes message, you know, on different characters, and and he's pointing it out, and you know, he's making the point there. And I, I think there's, you know, when we're making our work and, I'm an over explainer and I'm an over talker, and Sean is like, hey man, we should, we, we get it, we can cut that part out, or like, you don't know, you don't have to do that. And I, I think if we show don't tell, we, we make the point. And, and I'll give a, a quick example that I've been thinking about since I'm 16 years old in the movie Three Kings. Um, there was a conversation earlier on. I think uh, Spike Jones character and and um, Ice Cube's character talking about. You know, there are no great black quarterbacks, and, and you know white guys are the best quarterbacks, and they're coming from two different backgrounds, and you know it's fun and it's, it's intention. Then um you, you you get the point of who these two guys are, and then later on towards the end of the movie, spoiler alert, uh for you know a thirty year old movie, um, uh Ice Cube takes a bomb and it's straps like a football, and he throws it at a, at a helicopter and it explodes. And I remember talking to my buddy Andy Miller uh in school that Monday. He's like he's like oh you should, that was like the perfect place to be. Aligned. Like, you see like a black guy can be a good quarterback. And I said, and I remember thinking at 16, like, no, the, dude, the point is like, he, he made the point. He threw it. It exploded. He saved the day. He was a good quarterback. We, you don't, you don't need the line either. You know they say? It. Like, they clearly cut there because they made their point from earlier on. And I think that's what we need to do. The way to not, to, to not be, you know, um, too preachy is, is like, Cutting those moments where you're about to say that line. Just get it going there. Don't, just get don't it there. Don't preach. Don't preach. No. Got it. Yeah. All right,
0: let's wrap on this with. Were you? you
1: yeah, i just this? real okay. super fast. Okay. I just wanted to kind of posit that um, I come from a really like like punk rock background. <laughs> that was my scene back in the day. And sometimes I think it is like I guess it's almost like a pseudo counterpoint. I think it is sometimes okay to scream from the rooftops. And I think that sometimes you know change is through like that, that that punk rock like. Play loud, you know sing loud. Um, I think it's, it's how you do it and ultimately how you decide to you know, present that message and, and what are the words that you're using to scream and yell with mm-hmm. um, and it's being very selective about your verbiage. Okay. Um, so just kind of throw that out there. Sometimes the house is on fire and you got to yell. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah. and I think Sometimes it's important you're
2: mad.
0: right I mean or a lot of, all the, always angry. Jeez, that's right. I just realized. Um, oh, Rosalie.
2: Everything is okay. Um,
0: so I want to spend a couple minutes on this because while we are broadly aligned, I think as a community specifically at Nightmares, because we work hard for that to be part of the experience, we are not individually aligned because we all have individual experiences. I think that is true. And I think, maybe in the auditorium, or maybe listening to the recording, is somebody who goes, Jesus Christ, can I just make a fucking movie? Do I have, right, like who has this feeling, and I, I'm pretty sure I know who that person looks like. Uh, probably looks like me. What's our case, our empathetic loving case to that person that has a chance to be heard, who goes like, I can't carry this burden of everybody's expectations of my movie. I just want to make a movie. What's our case to them? And it's got got—it's got to be loving and empathetic. Yeah, Tyrone,
4: lead us off. Make your movie. Just go out and fucking make your... You make whatever it is you want to make. Understanding, though, that um, you might catch some smoke. So <laughs> if, if this is what you want to make, and you've decided deliberately not to... Not to do any research. Listen, mm-hmm. as a screenwriter, if you were going if I were gonna write something about Wall Street and look, <laughs> I can barely balance my checkbook. <laughs> Relatable. So if I don't do no research, then it's going to be trash. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll be good, but people will sit and think, Well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just basic research. So yes, make your thing, but at the very least just do some research. Okay. And be
2: okay, alright. Other thoughts? If Who you're else? a genius, you should be out there making your movie. Just do it. And it may or may not do well, it may not get accepted into festivals. That'll be a learning um, point for you. I think but a- oh, if you have a good story,
1: go. I think every filmmaker, to a degree, regardless of whether you're that person or you're this person or that person, I think you kind of automatically, as a filmmaker, you're putting yourself out there, regardless of what your opinion is, and you got to kind of come with a self-imposed suit of armor, because somebody is not going to like your movie, no matter how wholesome and lovely what you're saying is, somebody's not going to like it. And if somebody's saying something negative, somebody's going to like that or they're going to dislike it. And you really do have to just kind of keep that, that shield up and you know, keep your eye on the good things. Okay.
5: I, th- I think the other thing, too, is, you know, um, as someone who has said, like, we we're making two knots, it's like, oh, we're having conversations with different actors that we were looking at the cast and they were you know, questioning the script and, and some days I'd be like, Sean, I, was like, I just want to make the damn thing. Why do I have to think about this? But I think the, the point is, if someone's saying that is someone who said, said it out loud, and is that, you know, if you make your damn thing, right? Uh, get ready to catch the smoke, but also like, as you're having conversations or people are saying this to you or you are catching smoke, whatever it might be, whatever stage of you are in, in the filmmaking process, you know, open yourself up so the the feedback that you're getting. So make what you want. Just feel like why all right to do it. Why is valuable?
0: I mean, that really is the heart of the yeah. conversation we're having, right? Like the first layer yep. was like, "We'll fucking do it, then, dude." Right. Right. But if we if we want to be heard, if we want to help the people around us who we love, who aren't there yet, why is it valuable to listen when we are such an ego-driven art form? Our currency is ego. Yep. We don't have money. That's interesting. We're making it right. Like. I'd be interested. We'll I'll do a whole other panel on that. But what's the value in listening? And yeah? it's like, what what
3: is your goal? Do you want to do a one and done, or or do you want longevity? Like, you know, have have that drive, you know, make the damn film. And what is the long term perspective of of how you're wanting to approach your career? It's your life. It's 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 what fuels you and makes you go.
2: A little tip is to um, check your ego. And then create from, like, within, and not from your ego. Mm. Yeah. It, it helps mm-hmm.
3: have perspective, emotional intelligence. I think that's incredibly powerful. too. you know, I love when I can love the bad guy. That is like my favorite thing because people are complicated and there's no black and white. Everything is gray, and it's just like I love when you can make the case that's like everybody has redeeming qualities. We can all fuck up. Like it's it's. It's all out there. It's back and, to that
0: human thing, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. And, and I love, I mean, that's what I, you know, I'm a visual person in a visual art form. I love when I can visually see, you know, people that I, you know, could be quick to judge. And then I go, nope, check that. Like, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I love just being able to witness that.
0: So as always, every year, we have really arrived into the conversation now as we end it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we scratched the surface We dove a little deeper, which is something I'm really grateful for, so thank you for helping us do that. I wanna close with a variation of the question Mark asked. Um, What I'd like to do is transition us to application. So if you can bring to mind a time, either someone very specifically supported you or you saw someone else support creating social progress in creating a project. I'm looking for specific examples, right? Somebody arrived at the end of this conversation and they're wondering, okay, What does that look like? What do I do? Does anybody have an example? Yeah, Rosie.
2: My day job, I work as an AD. Um, I'm currently on The Good Doctor, but we're waiting for the strikes to end. Anyways, uh, I think the writer's room there are doing a really good job at uh, inclusion. Like, there'll be a medical um, condition, maybe a, a character in the story has a very rare condition. And so, They'll do a really good job of casting aspiring actors with that condition and bringing them into the story, and so I feel like that's an important piece. That's just a small, tangible. That's perfect.
0: So they bring other perspectives into the room. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And
2: on screen, like they are the instead of hiring an actor to portray that condition, they have someone with that condition. Okay, so that's
0: application. Other specific examples. What does it look like? What have you seen someone do to create this thing we're talking about? Jennifer, do you have one?
2: Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, my, my film that I'm here, uh, Super Happy Fun Clown. Like, as soon as you <laughs> asked the question, I started tearing up because I've seen a lot of people around me get films, like, written for them or, like, that sort of thing. And Eric, we developed um, working relationship friendship over time, and he, I'm a goofy, just, like, the Everybody is, like you know, Jen, we love you, but just, you know, maybe less. And so I was able to, you know, be able to do something. It was like, Jen, we love you. And like more, you know, so it's like, it felt really freeing to be seen and to be like validated. And, and, and then I've talked with people afterwards going like, wow, you showed the weird, I love it. You know, like, and other, you know, women and, and that sort of thing. And so it was just really rewarding. And I just, yeah, that's, I'm living proof of that. <laughs>
1: Excellent
0: example and congratulations. That's Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, any others? Oh, yeah, that's you, you had one.
1: I had a friend that recently um, made a film. Um, you know, it's a very horror thriller kind of thing, and they were writing a trans villain and it was very very important to them and they they reached out to my wonderful wife who's sitting there and kind of said hey you know the last act of this film is very you know important to me and i know that as you know a trans person this is important to you too and it would have been so easy for for him to not ask that question yeah, right. and he, and maybe write something that could have potentially been problematic and it turned out, like, a lot of the stuff he did, um, was either, you know, it's neither here nor there, we sent some notes and then we went to the premiere and we sat there and we were like, whoa, Uh, some of our notes were actually integrated into that edit. He listened. (laughs) And we looked at the edit and we were like, whoa, all of those things that we were like, well, you should really look at this Mm -hmm. and think about your audience, um, because your audience is everyone, right? Um, and so... Really, it was so cool to see those changes and and us walk away from that screening going like, wow, I feel really great about that movie now.
0: Great one. I think,
4: Tara, did I see you raise your hand? So you'll close us out. Um, So, you know, I I don't like to blow smoke, but (laughs) uh, uh, Hope and George's movie, Obstacle Force, was was kind of amazing. Because I, I show up and I see that there are people of color in the cast, but there was none of that... Hey, we've got people of color. Get it? <laughs>
3: yeah,
4: so it all it all made sense, and then behind the camera there were lots of women and lots of people who were just starting out, and so it felt very supportive in a way that that felt that felt really good. You know, you you know when you walk into a place you're like, oh, this is a good place to be, and so. The thing to do is to make sure you create a place where it's a good place to be. If the people around you are happy, you know it's worth it.
0: Perfect. All right, on that, we're going to wrap. Would you please let them hear it for helping lead this challenging, important conversation? Thank you guys so much. Really grateful for you. Love you all. Thank you, Jason. That concludes, and now we'll move on to uh, the new distribution with Mr. Christopher Hamill. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
4: Hi, this is Ben Young, director of Hounds of Love. Stay frightful, my friend.